Have you ever had a moment in your life where you literally say, I just want to give up? <laughs> ever had a moment where it's just like, life just got too tough? Now, I've had those moments where you just get discouraged and you're like, how did I get in this situation again? How did I get into this place in the first place? And at those moments, life can just feel very difficult and dark and discouraging. I remember one time in the last church that I was serving, I, we were living in Whitensville, Massachusetts. We, we came here a little over 15 years ago. But our church was very close to the house where we lived in, and I was walking across the parking lot, and Lenny, who was a guy who was our church organist at the time, came up to me, and I must have had it on my face the way I was looking. I must not have looked too positive and, and encouraged that day. And he said these words to me, don't give up. I said, what? He said, don't give up. I said, why do you say that? He said, well, I don't know. If you're struggling with your kids or with something else, please remember this is also the time where my dad, who had Alzheimer's, was living with us. Maybe I was having trouble with, with one of our boys that day. I don't know what it is because I remember the next words he said is, they act like they want to win, but they don't. Don't let them win either. And I said, Lenny, why do you say that? He said, you know, because that's what I learned as a dad and as a husband and just as a Christian. You just have to keep going. And somehow those words just really encouraged me and, and really helped get me through what was a tough time. Now, we all have things that discourage us, and it's okay to be honest with our discouragements. God wants us to be truthful about who we are and how we feel and what we're going through in life. You might be discouraged about the upcoming election. You might feel like, you know, our country is so divided. I just wish it wasn't so. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be positive. Be a Christ follower. Let the Holy Spirit guide and direct you and believe and know that God has a purpose for you in the midst of all of this. Maybe, perhaps, it could be the pandemic and you're like, I just want the whole thing over. Like, I made a big change this last week. I switched to a different color mask. There you go. <laughs> With something, right? Sort of help keep me going forward. It's like, how do you keep going in the midst of times when life can be difficult? You've got to find the ways of just moving forward. You know, the Apostle Paul kept going even while he was in prison. Now, we've been looking at the letter he wrote to the Philippians, and we continue this morning as we're going to be in chapter 3. But if we know anything about Paul, and if we've learned anything so far, he didn't give up. He's sitting in prison. I'm sorry, folks, that is far more difficult than anything that you and I are facing. He was not in prison for doing anything wrong. He was in prison for doing the exact same thing that we're doing here today. He was a Christian, a follower of Christ. He brought people together. He spread the gospel. He shared the good news. And it was con considered an act of sedition in the Roman government. What were these people, this new religious group, gathering these people together? And it made no sense to the Roman officials. And so the Apostle Paul gets arrested and he gets put in prison and he didn't give up. And as we come to this next section of his letter, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Just listen to the encouraging words that he gives to you. Because the things that he's saying to the Philippians, he's saying to us also. 
And we're talking about this being a sermon series on the book of Philippians about being anxious no more. Listen to how Paul has learned to deal with his anxious thoughts and anxious feelings. Because again, folks, he's in prison. He's not able to take a nice walk on the waterfront in downtown Plymouth. He's not able to go to Morton Park and, and look at the beautiful lake or see a sunrise, all the things that we're able to do. He literally is trapped in a, in a building where he is bound. He can't get out. All of his freedoms have take, been taken away from him. And listen to what he says. He says, it's not that I've already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus made it his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Do you hear what he does? He just continues to keep moving forward. I used to have a little magnet on my refrigerator that came from Winston Churchill. There wasn't, magnet didn't come from him, but the saying came from him. And it said, when going through hell, just keep going. It is a wonderful thing. Isn't it? Winston Churchill just had a way of putting things that, you know, probably wouldn't have been a great pastor, but, you know, sometimes you need to hear it a little bit blunt like that. Just keep moving forward forward. What Paul helps us see, the reason he's able to do it in our text, is we need to begin by looking at the end. We need to know where we're headed. Every single one of us has something in the future. There's been a lot of, of talk more recently, and there's books been written about it, seminars are done on it, about finding your why in life. Like, why do I do the things that I do? And one of the things that we're told to do is imagine five years out, or imagine ten years out. Where do you want to be at that point? Now you know why you're doing what you're doing right now. So, for instance, this last week I had a major paper that I had to do for Asbury Seminary for my doctoral work, I didn't want to do it. I didn't get up on Monday and say, well, I, get, I can't wait to spend the whole day finishing off a research paper and spending hours putting together this paper, but I needed to do it because I know what lies at the other end. Not only a degree, which is important, but also a project that I'm really excited about of talking about making disciples who make disciples. So I know what is in the future. And when I keep what's in the future in front of me, then I'm able to do the things I need to do today. That's what Paul's going to tell us in this very next section. He says, not that I have already obtained or am already perfect. You see what he's doing is he's anticipating what's in the future. He says, basically, I'm not perfect yet, but I know one day I will be perfect. Did you get up this morning and think that about yourself? Do you know one day you're going to be perfect? Isn't that great? You're going to be perfect. You're not going to make a mistake. You're never going to have a bad thought. You're never going to have a disagreement with anybody. You're going to not have anything bother you, and any difficulty in your life is going to be gone. The only problem is that only happens after you die and once you're in heaven. But we know that's our goal. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going towards. 
And so if we know that that's where we're going towards and God is continually working us to get there, then the things that we go through right now we can see as part of the plan and process of God working that perfection into our lives because even though you will not be made perfect in this world, sorry to tell you that, now some of you are sitting there with your spouses, you maybe have been telling them that you're perfect, but trust me, you're not because they've told me that you're not. But no matter where you are and what you're thinking at this point, we know that it's a process of God making us more perfect. Again, we've talked about this. That's the work of sanctification, where we do our part and God does his part, where God changes us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we go through many of the things that we go through. That's why we can keep going. Paul knew where he was headed, and he also knew he wasn't there yet. In fact, the very word that he uses, the word for being made perfect, is the word teleos. It's the Greek word teleos. Now think about that. You've heard that somewhere else. Teleos, what's that make you think of? Something that's long that you look through? Telescope. You see, a telescope helps you see something way out there. That's what we need to learn to do in our life. When you're going through a tough time, when things are difficult, when you can't believe that you're in this situation where how can I be going through this, you don't only just focus on this, think about what God's doing in your life and how your life is being made better. We have a way of saying this to people who go into recovery. We'll say to them, imagine your life the very best that it could be. Just imagine things the absolutely most amazing way your life could be. Now do the program. Learn to stay sober one day at a time. Learn that you can't, God can, and you'll let him. And your life will even be better than what you can imagine. See, that's what God promises to us. God's making us perfect. God's doing that work in our life. Yes, with a telescope, we know that we are headed somewhere and we see what's out there. Well, Paul says the same thing is true in our life. And that's why if you read the parables of Jesus and you read these stories about the kingdom of God, one of the things you'll discover is in the stories of the kingdom of God, as we read them, we pause and we say, those are great stories. And I understand Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like this, but I never see it that way. I see it with all the imperfections and all the problems. Because again, when Jesus is telling those stories, he's telling them to get us to imagine and understanding where God is leading us. Hear the difference? A parable of Jesus is not going to tell you, as you hear these things about the kingdom of God, of how life is going to exactly be for you today. It helps you see where you're headed. I think of the story just of the four soils. David and Laura recently had a new driveway put in their house. And after the driveway was, was put in, they put down dirt right up against the driveway, and then they were told to seed the, the dirt because it would help keep the side of the driveway from crumbling. So now you've got dirt up against the driveway, and you're going to have grass growing in there. And the guy who put in the driveway said, it's just a better thing to do at the end of doing the driveway. So I said, I'd like to go out, and I'd like to put the seed down. So I was out there all by myself, just taking the seed and scattering it down, and all of a sudden I noticed something amazing. Some of the seed was falling on the driveway, the path. Some of it was falling in weeds. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Some of it was falling on really hard, rocky soil, and some of it was falling on that really good soil. And all of a sudden, I started thinking, that amazing? Jesus tells this story 2,000 years ago, and it's still relevant today. And we're challenged then to be good soil. And then I thought about it further, and I thought, you know, the problem with being good soil is we're not good soil. 
we work at becoming more good soil. So even that image doesn't give us a complete understanding of who we are today. It gives us an understanding of what God's doing and what we're becoming. How to not give up? Remember that we're being prepared. Got me thinking about a time when I was out with my mom one time, and, and we were, had a new home that we had moved into, because my dad also was a pastor. And my mom had me go out and help her get her garden, her new garden prepared. And as we went out there, we started digging up the, the ground, and it was all just yucky clay. And I was like, Mom, how are you ever going to plant a garden in this? And she said, don't worry, in a couple of years I'm going to have a beautiful garden. See, she looked to the future. She contacted farmers, and they had the, gar the, the, the soil rototilled, and she did her typical thing of getting cow manure and putting it in and getting the soil prepared year after year. Eventually, my mom had a beautiful garden because she didn't get discouraged with where it was. She knew where it was headed, and that's what Paul wants us to understand our lives. Don't get discouraged with where you are because then you and I will tend to give up. But let's look at where God's leading us. The next thing he helps us understand is something that I would say comes from a Disney movie also, or it's made famous in a Disney movie. Now this afternoon, we're not going to be showing Finding Nemo. We're going to be showing trolls here at Faith Community Church. But I probably have a Finding Nemo fan or two in the congregation. And if you think of the movie Finding Nemo, one of the beloved characters is Dory. Do you remember what Dory kept saying? Just keep swimming. Keep swimming. Just keep going. Not only does Paul say, look at the end and remember where you're headed, but no matter what, just keep going. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Or if you're a little fish, just keep moving forward in the water. It's so funny because little Dory can't remember anything. But she knows to keep going. And that's what Paul is telling us. This is a way, he says, of being spiritually mature, of keeping going and keeping moving forward and knowing that God continues to work in our life. Listen to the second part of verse 12. I press on. See, he said, I keep swimming. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made it his own. Paul had to press on every single day that he was in prison. He woke up and he's in the same situation he was the day before, and he just had to keep going. And then he remembers Jesus, his Savior, and he said, you know, Jesus had to do the same thing because last time I checked, it wasn't fun for our Savior to go to the cross, and he just had to keep moving forward. And it certainly wasn't easy for Jesus when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asks his friends, could you just stay awake with me for one hour, and they all fall asleep? And he knows that there's, there's people coming to arrest him. He knows that he's had a friend who's betrayed him, and he's even had it revealed to him by the Father that one of his other really close friends, a guy named Peter, is going to deny him three times, and hey, the rest of them aren't even going to be there because they're going to run away, scared as can be, and he's all on his own. And what does Jesus do? He just keeps moving forward. He's there praying, and he prays with such fervency and such intensity that the Bible says he sweats blood. If cup, this cup could be taken from me, please take it. But not my will, but thine be done. And Paul remembers that as he's there in prison. And he said, my Savior just kept going. I just need to keep going. I just need to keep swimming. The word for pressing on is the word diaco. And it's actually a hunting term. It means to pursue, like you pursue the game. 
got me thinking about my walks that I take every day in Morton Park. And almost every single time I see those fishermen out there fishing. And I think how fervent they are, how they just continue to pursue the fish. I couldn't do it. I was talking to a guy who's a fisherman in our church this morning. I said, I couldn't do it. I couldn't just sit there quietly and just wait and just pursue those fish. I'd get discouraged and I'd walk away. But a good fisherman knows you just have to be quiet. You just have to wait. You just have to keep moving forward. You just have to keep doing what you're doing. You just have to not give up. You just keep swimming. That's what Paul says is how we live our life. That's what it means to be a spiritually mature Christian, to just keep going. I remember one time, it was a number of years ago, right here in this church and probably right from this spot, that a person was asked to give a testimony. In their testimony, they said something that I always found interesting. They said, you know, I've always struggled with some things in my health and my life. I wish I could love running the way Pastor Stan loves to run. Now, I was sitting at the very back of the church, and you know what I thought to myself? I hate running. <laughs> in fact, I've even seen runners who have the T-shirt that I want. It says, I hate running. But I run five times a week. Because I know what it does for me. I know where it leads me. I know where it takes me. I know the health that it's good for me. I know that when I got back running, when I turned age 50, and I went for my blood work the next year, that my doctor said, man, your blood work has gotten a lot better. What are you doing? I said, I got back running. And he said, keep doing what you're doing. And I know the benefits of it. And so on the days where I wake up in the morning and I do not want to go out, and I say, I could just take another day off, or maybe this is my day off. Like, no, yesterday was my day off. And I do the mental battle. I just say to myself, just keep swimming. Same thing's true in our spiritual life. Just keep going. Just keep moving forward. I don't feel like doing my devotions today. We'll do them anyhow. I don't feel like praying. We'll pray. I don't feel like being loving and kind and encouraging to someone else. Paul says, just keep doing it. Because as we do that, as we put that into practice, it starts changing who we are because God does the work in our hearts to change who we are. As we live the Christian life, it gets easier, not because we change ourselves, but because God changes us. And so each day, that process of sanctification comes just as it came for the Apostle Paul sitting in prison. Because he continued to grow. Think about that. God continued to perfect Paul, the guy who writes more than half of the New Testament, the person who's responsible for being the first great missionary of the church, who has all kinds of good things he can imagine if he could just get out of this prison. Man, look at all the good I could do for God. And then he says, but you know what? It doesn't matter because right now God's doing something good for me. Look at the work God's doing in my life. I just keep going because I'm being transformed into the person God wants me to be. Amen? That's what God's doing in your life. Just keep swimming, just keep going, just keep doing what you need to do and realize that it is a part, an important part of God's work in our life. So wouldn't we like it all narrowed down to one thing? I like that. I go and I hear a speaker at a conference and I think, just give me one point. Give me one thing to take away. Well, it's fascinating because Paul does that for us. If you look now at verse 13, the last part of it, he says, but one thing I do. Isn't that great? Let's narrow it all down to one thing. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What's the one thing I must do first? Forget. Forget. 
That's hard to do. It's a tough thing to do because we remember all the negative stuff in our life. We remember all the things that went wrong and we remember all the times that we messed up. The Greek word for forget is the work, the word, epelantaname. Do you remember that? Congratulations, you already forgot. <laughs> Do you know what forget means? Let's see, I have it written down here. It means we don't remember something. How profound is that? You get the point? We need to learn to forget some things in our life, folks. We need to learn to forget the anger, the resentments, the hurts, the bitterness, the lack of forgiveness. The times we messed up and we just can't forgive ourselves, we need to learn to forget and let it go. We remember far too many things. We remember way too many resentments and way too many regrets, and then it gets us bogged down. You know, in the end of life, there's only two things if we look back that messes us up, and that's the past and the future. That if we sit around and we dwell on the past and we worry about the future, all we do is miss today right in front of us. I said that to somebody not long ago. Look at what's right in front of us today. Let's just look at today and how good today is. And the rest of it doesn't matter because when we become obsessed with the rest of the stuff, Paul says it just keeps us from moving forward. This is about sanctification. This is about becoming Christ-like. This is about becoming godly. This is about becoming the people that God wants us to be. And the way that we do it is sometimes we just need to forget the stuff and let it go and quit thinking about it. And pretty soon it's not in our memories anymore. But forgiveness has to begin with ourselves, and forgetting has to begin with ourselves. Because in the end, it usually isn't all the other people that we hold the resentments towards. We do that, and we have to learn to get rid of those. But the first thing that often messes us up as Christians is something in our own life. Some big regret that we have, some big failure we have, something we failed to say. Now, I know that's true, because I know something about every one of you and everybody who's listening on YouTube and watching on Facebook, and anybody who's going to check this sermon out in the future, this is true with every single one of you, just like it's true with me. We get at the end of a conversation that hasn't particularly gone well, and we get in the car and we start thinking, I wish I would have said this. Man, if I get in that conversation again, next time I am going to tell that person this thing. Do you know all we're doing? We're just ruminating over the past and thinking about something that we need to let go of. Paul's saying, let it go. Forget it. Put it behind. Because once we put something behind, we can move forward. But the problem is that we have to begin with ourselves. We need to learn to experience that forgiveness and that grace in our own lives so we can extend it towards others. Now, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands here. How many of you have ever been on an airplane? Remember, those, those are the things that flew pre-pandemic. Anybody been on those? Okay. Remember being on those airplanes? Remember, we used to sit side by side right in front of I'm, I'm assuming now if I got on an airplane, they'll probably give me the whole plane all to myself. So I have no idea what it's really going to be like, which I always felt like I was too cramped in. So maybe the pandemic has done something good if it's made more space in the cabin, because I did always feel like it was a little tight. Did you ever feel like that? Yeah. Well, when we were all packed in there nice and tightly, and we were getting ready for the plane to take off, first, when we were younger, it was a woman who came out and talked to us. Then later, there started to be some men who came to talk to us. Now, most of the time when I was on an airplane, I wouldn't get a man or a woman. It was just a voice that mysteriously came through. They always said the same thing. If the cabin oxygen goes down, a little thing will magically fall from the sky, and it'll land right in front of you. 
And you, if you are with a young child, put it on the child first, right? No. Put it on yourself first so you can help the other one. The same thing true goes true with forgetting and forgiveness. It has to begin with ourselves. We've got to experience that forgiveness in our lives so we can extend it to others. We need to learn to let go of stuff in our own lives so that we can extend that grace to others. The Apostle Paul is sitting there in prison. He must have had some resentments himself because he tells us about it. He says, I have to forget to move forward also. One thing, he says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on to what the future is. It's how we grow in Christ. And that's why, ultimately, it comes down to our relationship with Jesus and understanding that for God so loved this world, that he sent his only son, that whosoever, that means you and me, believes in him, would have life everlasting. It's an invitation to understand that we have to get that one right. It all begins with that grace of God loving you so much that if you were the only person or I was the only person who had ever sinned in this world and ever done anything wrong, our Savior who loves us so much would have come just for us. He would have given his life and gone through it all just for you or just for me. Because once we understand that and experience that in our own lives and we receive that in our own lives, we can start forgetting and letting things go We can start looking to the end and realizing that God is making us perfect, and we can just keep going no matter what we face. It's the process of what Paul says, becoming mature in Christ. Sometimes I think that people want some deep doctrine, and they're certainly important, and there's theological concepts that are wonderfully spelled out in the Scripture and are amazing when we can understand them. But if we don't get the basics of understanding that we need to learn to keep going in our Christian life every single day, no matter what we face, no matter what difficulties we've gone through, no matter what's troubling us today, none of the rest of us matters because that is the foundation upon which our life and our faith is built. So as we close today, I'd like you to pray a prayer with me. It will not be projected on the screen. I'm just going to give you the prayer pretty much that I used the day that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And if you've never trusted in Christ... I invite you today to trust and put your faith in him. If you have and you've been a Christian and walked with Christ, it's always good to remind ourselves in our prayers of what Jesus did for us. If you've never had that personal relationship with Christ and and this is the first time you say a prayer like this and this is the first time you've really experienced the fact that Christ forgives you, come talk to me later or get a hold of me this week and let's talk about how to grow further in our life. But let's remember that as Paul was sitting in prison, that's what mattered to him. Wasn't all the things he was missing out there. What mattered to him was his relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's why he was able to let go of some things and see what God was doing in his his life personally, just as God is doing in your life and mine today. Let us pray. And please say these words after me. You can do it quietly or to yourself. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. He came to this world and gave his life for me. I trust in him and accept him as my Savior. Help me let go of things in my life and move into the future that you have for me. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, 